Would you turn with me to Matthew, the sixth chapter? In praying and seeking the Lord about the season we're in and what comes next, I believe I am impressed to begin a new series this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it already, which is a good sign, right? And you'll see as we get into it, uh, this is something the Lord is teaching me about. And then I'm teaching you as he's teaching me. So get ready to release your faith and let's launch into this this morning. Matthew 6 and our text, Matthew 6 and verse 31. Therefore take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, you know, he's not saying, never think about it, period. Because how would you get supper on the table? Right? How would you wind up at somewhere to eat? You know, you got to think about it. But what's he saying here? No anxious thought is what he's saying. He actually goes on talking about, you know, being careful and anxious. And you ought not spend one moment worrying about what you're going to eat. You ought not lose one moment of sleep about what you and your family and your kids are going to wear. Are we going to have anything to wear? Right? He goes on to say, God takes care of the birds. Right? He clothes the hillsides. And surely he's going to clothe you and feed you the apple of his eye. Said out loud, God is my father. father. I'm the apple of his eye. eye. I will never go hungry. hungry. I'll never want for clothes, clothes. a place to live, live. our money. money. He takes care of me me. and he always will. will. Why Why should I fear? This is something we should rest in. Right? He goes on to say, uh, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, the whole world round about us, they are consumed with this. Quote, making a living. And do people worry about making a living? Untold. Ulcers and migraines and people worried about they might get laid off or they might not make a sale today or, you know, and it all boils down to this. Are we going to have enough? Are we going to have money for the rent? Are we going to have enough for the kids for school or, you know, and people just worry themselves silly. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do when these kids get older. How in the world am I going to send them to college the way it costs nowadays? That is exactly what Joe Sinner down the street is doing, who doesn't even know God. Right? And it is insulting to God's faithfulness for you and I to do this. Right? I do not lose any sleep about the finances of this church. Not a one. I don't worry about it. I wouldn't stand up here and lie to you about it. I don't. No, this is not just my church. This is God's church. 
I like what Brother Jesse said one time. He and Brother Kenneth was on uh, the Believer's Voice of Victory, and they were talking about some of these things. And Brother Kenneth asked Brother Jesse, he said, well, what do you do when all these millions of dollars of TV bills come in? He said, I lift it up and say, Jesus, you got mail. <laughs> I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm taking that. Jesus, you got mail. <laughs> This is his deal, right? If he can't do it, I sure can, right? But he can, and he does, and he has, and he will. So why should I worry? But the fact is, many, 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 many Christians worry daily, right, about these kind of things. Their daily, weekly, monthly, yearly necessities. Where's the money going to come from? Feed and clothe us. And there's a whole vocabulary that has arisen around this. I mean, people don't even think anything about it, but they tell their kids, well, now hold on. You think money grows on trees around here, boy? Daddy works hard so you can have some tennis shoes. Wrong. Wrong. Well, I'm the provider of this family. No, you're not. Don't you limit your family to your little check. We got a big God. He is our source. He is our provider. And you tell your kids and yourself, you can have anything you can believe for. Anything. Nothing's too big. Sow your seed. Claim one. Stand and believe for it. Makes no difference what you make or don't make. Your believing should not be based on your annual income after taxes. You understand what I'm saying? People do, don't they? Well, I, you know, we can't afford that. That's like cussing to me. Nobody in this organization tells us we can't afford it. Did you hear me now? That's like cussing. Because you, what you just got through saying is I am my source. What I can produce, what my job can produce, what my smarts, my brawn, then God's not your source. No, is God faithful to provide for his own? You know, he told us, he told me, he said a person who refuses to provide for his own, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an infidel. Would he tell us that and then he don't take care of his own? Huh? No way. Say it out loud. God takes care of his own. And I am his own. He is my good shepherd. I do not want. I shall not want. Hallelujah. Man, you'll get free. You get to thinking about this. You get to talking like this. You get to believing like this. You'll sleep like a baby. Bills will come in, you'll go, Jesus, you got mail. You'll go take a nap. You won't worry. Now notice what he said. Take no thought. How much? Not one anxious thought, not one worried, full of care thought about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, 
How are we going to be clothed? After all these kind of things the Gentiles are seeking. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He has already foreseen the need. And he has already pre-provided the supply. You know, we've talked about that before. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees ahead and provides the supply. But he said, your father knows you have need of all these things, but what are we to do? He didn't just tell us don't do something. He said, instead of doing that, what do you do? But seek you, but you, we could say you seek first, what? The kingdom of God God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. How many know these are the words of Jesus? They are absolutely true. They cannot fail. If you do what he told you, this will happen to you. All this stuff, all these things, things, things. People try to tell us sometimes, oh, now, you shouldn't talk about things. Jesus did. Oh, that's just being materialistic. Well, tell him. He said things. Well, somebody needed to hear that. Things. Tell your neighbor, things. Is God interested in things? Stuff. Certainly he is. You say, well, no, God's too big. He don't care about cars and houses and stuff. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you care about your three-year-old's little toy? Or doll? Is that little toy or doll changing the world? No. Why do you care about it? Because they care about it. (laughs) And if it brings them happiness... You care about it. What busy executive, CEO of a huge company, has gone all over town and spent half a day trying to find some toy or some item for their little one? It's certainly not going to help the company. It's not going to change the world. Why would somebody that their time is so important do that? Because they love that child. And if it blesses the child, they want the child to have it. And they'll take their time and their effort to make it happen. Well, you got a father God who loves you more than any daddy or mama ever loved their natural child. And that's why he cares about stuff. Things. Yeah. So ask for it. Believe for it. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now it's take us a little while to get there, but here's the title of our new series. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Of God. What are we supposed to be seeking and thinking about? The kingdom of God. What are most people thinking about? How to make a living. Right? What are we going to eat? You know, when you think about it, most folks spend an enormous amount of time thinking about cleaning something. 
are getting something ready. Right? Including yourself. Phyllis says this all the time. Thank God there won't be any dirt in heaven. No more cleaning. No more dusting. No more vacuuming. Yeah. Huh? No more sweeping. No more mopping. (laughs) Huh? No more. Yeah, no more washing clothes. But what I'm saying, in this life, I mean, stop and look sometime. How much time, how many years of your life, which you ain't got that many to start with, are spent either cleaning something or getting something ready that has to do with eating? Huh? Clothes, right? Where you live? Well, see, he said, that's what all the Gentiles, they spend all their time with this, thinking about this and working on this. But us, we're supposed to be different. Now, yeah, you need to spend some time, at least, cleaning up yourself. Right? And yeah, you need to clean that house once in a while. But that's, there should be more to your life. <laughs> I'm getting some kind of looks around this place. <laughs> Elbows and knees. And <laughs> there should be more to your life than what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you live, right? Because all this stuff is temporary. I know uh, years ago uh, I was teaching at Rama. In uh, Broken Air, Oklahoma, and this one guy, he's a first-year student. Well, it's two or three first-year students. They were talking at the rec center, and one of them was telling the other one about all the stuff that God had blessed him with. Really, he's just bragging. It's supposed to be a testimony, but he's just bragging about what he had. And it was obvious to some of the other guys that didn't have hardly anything. And this guy's bragging, bragging, bragging. And finally, I mean, it really got bad. And finally, this one guy, he popped up. He said, well, he said, So, he said, your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. (laughs) Because it's all going to burn. Is that right? I don't care how many cars and houses and stuff you got. It's all going to melt with fervent heat. It's just going to, right? It's going to be gone. It only benefits you very temporarily while we're here passing through this life. So all of our time and thought and energies and money and effort should not be spent just on what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear and where we're going to live. Something that's not going to make any difference a hundred years from now. Right? What should we be seeking? Oh, come on. Help me out now. What Jesus tell us we should be focusing on. Thinking about. Looking at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, as the Lord began to deal with me about this, actually, I'm going to tell you how this started. I heard somebody say on news they were protesting something, and they were aggravated at what they called conservatives. And they said, uh, Jesus preached love and acceptance. 
Jesus preached love and acceptance. And uh, you usually hear people say that in connection with trying to get you to accept their sin. Jesus preached love and acceptance. Well, I'd heard that before. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but he spoke to my heart. He said, no, I didn't. (laughs) No, I didn't. Well, now, that got me thinking. No, I, because, you know, stuff like this is just kind of commonly believed. Well, yeah, people nod their head and go, yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus preached. Love and acceptance. Well, did he? How do we answer our questions around here? Where's the scripture? Right? Where's it at? People's theories and opinions just don't cut it around here. Yours or mine or whoever. Right? No, no. Where's the scripture? So I begin to study. I said, well, okay, Lord, what did you preach? He said, it's in the book. (laughs) So I got in the book. And I begin to try to go through the four gospel accounts and look everywhere to see what he preached. You know what he preached? Well, y'all are quick. Of course, I I had you set up, didn't I? (laughs) He preached the kingdom of God. And with it, he preached repentance. Repentance and the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, repentance comes to, you know, turning from everything else and turning to the kingdom. Becoming a part of the kingdom, focusing on the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. Not, as people try to say, all this other stuff. You'll find the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, referenced some hundred plus times. In the New Testament, it's a lot. And particularly in the gospel accounts where Jesus is talking, like in the book of Matthew, just Matthew, 30 times Jesus referred to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom. I mean, he preached about it all the time. We should emphasize what he emphasizes, right? Instead of all the other stuff that people come up with. Boy, I'm stirred up about it. You'll find that the people, uh, Jesus talked about it so much that his disciples became kingdom minded. They thought about it. They were looking for the kingdom. And in the beginning days of the church, in the book of Acts, you'll see them. They talked about the kingdom. They thought about the kingdom. How about us? Should we be kingdom of God minded? Well, then that's what we're on a quest for now. We're launching into this, right? We're believing God and the Lord through the word is going to renew our minds. And we're not going to think like the worldly and ungodly who don't know God. We're going to become kingdom minded. And I believe the Lord's elevating to us to a place where we won't waste so much of our time on stuff that doesn't matter. But we're going to become kingdom minded, kingdom oriented and efficient. In doing things in the kingdom of God. Because this thing's going to be over right away. Right? And it's not going to matter all the natural stuff that we did and said. It's only going to matter what was affected for the eternal kingdom of God. Now listen uh, to some things here. Look in. uh, Well don't turn there yet. Matthew 20. Listen to this. I just want you to get a, a feeling for how their mentality was. In Matthew 20. 
You know, uh, one of the two of the disciples' mother came to Jesus on the side and she said, Lord, would you grant that my two sons may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom? They heard him talk about it so much. They thought about it so much until, man, it was something burning in their heart. They're thinking about the kingdom. It was so real to them that she, you know, she was out of place, I suppose, doing it. But she came to him on the side and she said, Lord, I'd like for my two boys to be, you know, one on each of your side in your kingdom. Why ask for that instead of something else? Listen to other things. In Luke, the 19th chapter. The disciples, as he was finishing his earthly course, as they heard these things, and he was approaching near to Jerusalem, it said they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Luke 19.11. They, his disciples, his twelve, and the others with him, they thought the kingdom of God is going to appear right now. Because he talked about it so much. And they were so primed for it, and they were looking for it. They thought the kingdom of God is about here. And it was. But they were looking for the outward. You know, even the thief that hung at his side. When he was on the cross. Of all the things that he could have talked about at a time like that. You know what he said? Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. When you come into your kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. 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 They were kingdom-minded. Now, what is a kingdom? We're going to define it a little bit, and then we're going to go into the Scriptures. I know of no better way. This morning, we're going to turn to some Scriptures, to go to Scripture, to Scripture, to Scripture, to begin to see how much Jesus himself emphasized this and how he talked about it. First of all, kingdom is two words. King, dumb. Well, you know what a king is, don't you? A king is a monarch, a ruler, somebody who rules, somebody who reigns, a leader. I understand something ruled by a king is not a democracy. Right? The king has the ultimate control and power. He is the ruler. Dumb is from the word dominion. Dominion. Numerous other words branch out from it. Domicile. It has to do, well, what is dominion? It has to do with rule. So a kingdom is the territory or people that's subject to the rule of the king. That's under his rule. Literally, the kingdom of God means the kingdom over which God rules. The kingdom over which God rules. Now there's a contrast. There's two main things that you'll see as we go through this. Kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. Now you're talking about the same kingdom. You're just emphasizing different things about the same kingdom. Kingdom of God is to be differed from kingdom of man. Kingdom of men. And kingdom of heaven is emphasizing the difference from what? Kingdoms on earth. Right? There are kingdoms on earth, but there is the kingdom of heaven. 
And there are kingdoms of men and man, but there is the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Another translation talks, excuse me, another definition says, the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. What is the kingdom? It is the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. And you know, he taught us to pray that, didn't he? In fact, go over there, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. You were there. But in um, verse 9, Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What comes next? Your kingdom come. Then what's next? Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If you are over something, your will should be done in it. Is that right? If you're over something. If you're head of the business, then your will should be done in the business. Right? If you're head of the house, your will should be done in the house. Right? I mean, the Lord told me when we first got here, I had to tell some folk no several times. Some didn't care for it. Well, we want to do this. I said, no. Some folks said, well, how about this? I said, no. And they didn't understand. But the Lord had spoken to me the week before very strongly. I mean, warned me. He said, if you're always giving in to people, who's leading this? I thought, well, it wouldn't be me. Right? And, you know, somebody said, well, the Lord's will should be done. Absolutely. But who gets to say what that is? You understand what I'm saying? There's somebody representing him in different situations. Romans 13 goes into great detail about that the authorities that exist are ordained of God. And if you resist the authority, you're resisting God. A lot of things to learn there. But if the king is king over this realm, his will should be done. Wherever he's ruler over. Right? His will should be done. The parents' will should prevail over the children. We could camp there a while. (laughs) Who's in charge here? Right? Who's leading? Well, God's kingdom. Should our will prevail or should his? The devil's will? Certainly not. We want to miss the devil's perfect will. Every day. (laughs) Just totally missed his will. And we want to get God's perfect will and operate in his kingdom and let his kingdom operate in us. Can you say amen? Amen. Now let's go back. Go to the book of Luke, please. This is going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of turning, but I think this is the best way to do this. Go to the book of Luke and we're going to turn to a number of scriptures and we're going to read them. And let it sink into us what is important to Jesus, what he preached, what he emphasized. 
Luke 1, in the very beginning of this, when the angel appeared to Mary, Luke 1.30, Luke 1.30, the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, you've found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb, and you'll bring forth a son, and will call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, in our modern society, in so many churches and ministries, the purpose of Jesus coming has been almost narrowed and just focused only on saving people. He came to save us. Well, he did. But what does this say? I mean, before he was born, what does it say? He's come. He's going to take the throne. He's going to reign. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. There have been great kingdoms on this earth. I mean the Egyptian kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, the Roman Empire and kingdom. I mean uh, the U.S. of A. is a baby beside a lot of these. A couple hundred years. See, we think, oh, you know, we've been around forever. (laughs) No, no, no. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. And none of these kingdoms are forever. But there is a kingdom. It's already begun. Oh, hallelujah. And this kingdom... Is forever. All these other kingdoms are going to fade. But the kingdom of God is going to be established upon the earth. And the new heavens and the new earth. And you and I have already chosen the right side. We are in the right one now. And actually... Because this is all we've known. We think, well, you know, this is the life. This is a brief, brief training period. We are in faith school. And the Lord left us some curse and devils to practice on. He did. To be overcomers. Oh, come on. Help me preach a little bit this morning now. Have you read in the book of Revelation? I mean, he gets to preaching. He says, to him that overcomes. And he tells you what's going to happen. Then he says, and to him that overcomes. And to him that overcomes. And to him that overcomes. We're going to rule and reign with him forever. In his kingdom. Not wimps. Not quitters. Not doubters and fearful and unbelievers. What? Not whiny babies. Overcomers, overcomers, overcomers. Kingdom-minded people are overcomers. And when something gets in your way, you just realize that's something to come over. (laughs) You couldn't be an overcomer if there was never anything to overcome. Right? Say it out loud, I'm an overcomer. I'm not a quitter. What's the opposite of overcomer? undergoer right I mean you go under right 
Overcomer means you come over it. You conquer. Kingdom minded. You conquer. The opposite is you go under. We don't go under. Somebody says, yeah, but you know, you win a few and you lose a few. And that's just the way the old ball bounces. (laughs) Yeah, but we ain't bouncing the old ball no more. We're new creations. All things have passed away. Right? And we don't have to lose some. In the things of life that really matter. He said he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. In the anointed one. Thanks be unto God. Say it out loud. I'm an overcomer. I'm a conqueror. And more than a conqueror. An overcomer. In Christ. What if you get attacked with sickness? I overcome. I win. I get healed. I live. What if you have financial trouble? I overcome it. Right? I come out. I get out of debt. I pay it off. I get ahead. Right? (laughs) Anything in any area, you look at it as a challenge. You go, oh, no. No, no. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm coming over that. Don't care how long it takes. I will not quit. Right? Overcomer. Well, that is being kingdom minded. You are aware that you're not just in a kingdom on the earth. Subject to its rules. You're in the kingdom of heaven. Now let's keep reading. Turn over to the uh, fourth chapter. Luke 4. Jesus, you know, was tempted. And in verse 5. The devil took him up into a high mountain. And showed him what? All the kingdoms. All the what? Kingdoms. See, not, not, not all the gold. Not all the silver. Not all the stuff. The what? Kingdoms. The areas of rule and dominion. Of the world. All of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power, that's actually the word for authority, all this authority I'll give you. And the glory of them. Now some people say, oh, he couldn't do that. Well, then it wouldn't have been a temptation. And the Bible says he was tempted here. So yeah, he could. Which lets you know who is behind the authority in the kingdoms of the earth. Again and again. That's why we got to pray for our leaders. In our country. Right? He said. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said all this authority I will give you. And the glory of them. For that is delivered to me. And to whomsoever I will. I give it. Well now. How did he get it? What did the scripture say? It was what? Delivered to it was handed over to him. Who handed it to him? Well, how did Adam get it? God gave the dominion and the rule of this planet to man. A lot of people don't like that. They say, oh no, it's God. Oh no, he gave it to us. The psalmist said, the heaven 
Even the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. He gave the earth to man. Well, then how come 2 Corinthians says that Satan is the God of this world? Because when God gives you something, he gives it to you. And you can do what you will with it. You can use it properly or you can abuse it. And man abused this dominion and gave it to the enemy. And now the enemy is influencing the kingdoms of the earth. And Jesus obviously was tempted. He said, if you'll worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered him and said, you get behind me, Satan. It's written, you'll worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Why would he have been tempted with this? Because that's what he is born to do. Right? That's who he is. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Did you know the devil will try to show you a shortcut? To God's plan. He He said, oh yeah, just worship me and you'll be king of all these kings and you'll be lord of all these lords. He tries to mess with you, doesn't he? And see, in him, he knew it was right for him to rule and reign and be king of kings. But how many understand that just because you know something is right, it's not right for it to come at any cost, at any way. You may know what's supposed to happen, but it's got to come the right way. Somebody say the right way. It's got to come the right way. We were talking to some pastors, uh, friends of ours, just a few days ago. And they were talking about, you know, teaching our young people about some of these things. And they asked their young people, if you drive through, you know, a place and drive through window. And, you know, you give them a 10 and they give you a 20 back and some change. You know, what do you do? And some of their youth were saying, you know, now our youth are smarter than this. But some of their youth were saying, well, I put it in the offering. One said, I thank God for meeting my needs, you know. No. 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 Yeah, but I was believing God for money. And that's exactly what I was believing for. Yeah, but it's the wrong way. It's coming the wrong way. You can't do it. You'll fail a test. Right? And you have to watch for things like this because things will happen when you really need it and you're really believing for it and there it is. And you know that's what you're believing for and there it is, but it's the wrong way. Can you see this with Jesus? He was tempted, but did he do it? No, he did not yield. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to the temptation. And he didn't. But this was all about kingdoms. Now keep on going. In the same chapter, skip down to verse 43. Verse 42 said, he departed into a desert place. And the people sought him. This is 442. And they came in to him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. What did he preach? What did he say he was sent to do? What did he say he had to do? I got to go preach the kingdom of God. This is Jesus. What do we preach? Do you see how so many times we've just preached salvation? We haven't preached the kingdom of God. Salvation is a part of the kingdom. Right? Thank God for it. 
But we need to preach the kingdom. The kingdom. Go to the eighth chapter. Heard somebody think, what's he trying to preach? Is he working up trying to preach kingdom now or kingdom then? Or I'm endeavoring to preach the Bible. Forget about all that. Focus on this. Right? Quit trying to figure me out or anything else out. Get your mind on the Lord. Right here. Right now. What's he trying to preach? Luke. Luke. That's it. Right now we're endeavoring to preach Luke. Now, I don't know if you're putting two and two together, but the Lord's been preparing us for this. Not too long ago, he dealt with emphasize, where do we get our signs? Where do we get our wonders? Where do we get our miracles? The Lord confirms the word. Not just anything we decide to preach or say or do. He confirms the word, his word, with signs and wonders following and miracles. And so the Lord is helping. We prayed. We stood up. We asked him to help us with this. And he is. He's answering our prayer right now. He's saying, this is what I preached. Preach what I preached. Emphasize what I emphasize. And we can look forward already for more miracles. Oh, come on now. For more signs and wonders. Because he said he would confirm his word. He will work with us. Proclaiming his word. Confirming the word. With signs. And wonders following. Luke the 8th chapter. And verse 1. It came to pass afterward. That he went throughout every city and village. This is Jesus. He went through every city and village. Doing what? Preaching. And showing the glad tidings of what? Of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Everywhere he went, what did he preach? Glad tidings means what? Happy news. Good news, which is another way of saying gospel. What is the gospel? Can you see how so many times people have gotten off? Christians have gotten off. Preachers have gotten off. They talk about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of what? What did Jesus preach? He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now stay with me on this. I'm not just talking about today, but I'm talking about next week and the next week and the next week. Because the Lord's going to help us. We're going to build line upon line. Did you hear me? Line upon line. Line upon line. And the Lord is going to change our thinking. And we're going to think like he thought when he preached this. And like he thinks today. We're going to become more in line with him and his thinking and his preaching and his talking. I can already get excited about it because when you do that, he's ready to perform it and to confirm it and to testify to it. What did he preach everywhere he went through these villages and cities everywhere? The glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now, uh, skip down to the ninth chapter. The ninth chapter and the first verse. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them what? Power 
Now that is the word for power. Dunamis. Like the word we get our word dynamite from. Power and what else? Authority. Does authority work good with kingdom? Certainly. Hand in hand. Well, you can sure see why the Lord has a teaching on this. I feel like as a church, we are Ned in the first reader with this subject. (laughs) Do you know what I mean by that? What does that mean? Babies. And it ought not be. Because this is the main thing Jesus talked about all the time. Well, that's changing starting today, though. So if you don't like this, sorry. (laughs) Because you're going to hear about it a lot. For a while. But I believe you do. Because you love Jesus and you want to think like he thinks. And emphasize what he emphasized. He called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now you'll notice this in connection with kingdom preaching. Healing and deliverance. Healing and deliverance. Kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing and deliverance. Healing and deliverance, and the kingdom, and kingdom, and healing and deliverance, and authority, and healing and deliverance, and the kingdom. You'll see it all through there. So what else can we get ready for in this series? (laughs) Healing and deliverance, exercising authority, dominion over everything that binds, blinds, burdens, steals, kills, and destroys. Because if we're not in the devil's kingdom, then his will should not be affected in our life. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. (laughs) We're of a different kingdom. We're in God's kingdom. And his will prevails in his kingdom. And God's will is healing and salvation and deliverance and victory. So the devil's will does not prevail. In our lives. God's will prevails. And that's what he said. He gave them power. And he gave them authority. To go and affect his will. Over the devil's will. And in connection with doing it. What did he say? Verse 2. And he sent them. He's empowered them. He's authorized them and he sent them to do what? To preach what? To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. What do kingdom people do? (laughs) They see healings. Because in the kingdom of God, the will of God is healing. So where the will of God is being affected and the rule of God is in force, people are healed. And they're delivered. And what we're supposed to do, just like them, he empowered them, he anointed them, and he authorized them, and he said, go. Cast out these evil spirits and rebuke and command these sicknesses and diseases to go and then tell the people, this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. Glory to God. Can you see, you know, the Bible talks about this gospel. This gospel of the kingdom. 
has got to be preached to all nations. And then the end is going to come. Can you see that this gospel has not fully been preached? Men's ideas have been preached. Their version of the gospel has been preached. But this gospel of this kingdom of God has not been fully preached. And that's why this thing hasn't been wound up either. But we got to do our part. Not our job to judge anybody. I think we got a full-time job keeping up with ourselves. But we got to focus on this and see to it that me and you, we, we live in this kingdom and we proclaim this kingdom and this kingdom is demonstrated in this church and out from this church. The gospel of the kingdom of God is proclaimed and demonstrated. Now get ready because the Lord's been dealing with me for some time now, a few months, about demonstrations of the Spirit. These accompany kingdom preaching. So let's get ready for them. And some things over the course of time, you will see some things that are strange to you. But they're not strange to God. And God has always been in the sign business. Don't get quiet now. People are like, what's he talking about? I don't know. The details. But I know the direction. I'm in the process of making some changes. And the Lord has given us direction. But it is his will that there be signs for the believer and signs for the unbeliever. Here and out of here. And from here. And a lot of things are supposed to happen in your places of work and on the streets and in your homes. So much of the manifestations and the gifts of the Spirit. But this is hand in hand with the proclaiming and teaching and preaching of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of God. So he said, uh, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now skip down to verse 11. And the people, when they knew it, they followed him. And he received them and spoke to them of what? Of the kingdom of God. And what else happened? And he healed them that had need of healing. Sick people are to get interested in the kingdom. Shouldn't they? They think they need healing, but they ought to get interested in the kingdom. Because that's where the healing is at. And so back up to verse 6. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So after he empowered them and authorized them, verse 6, what did they do? They departed and they went through the towns preaching what? But now we know what gospel it was. Right? He already said in verse 2 and he said again in verse 11, it's the gospel of the kingdom. And what else was happening? And healing everywhere. You ought to say that out loud. Healing everywhere. (laughs) Say it again. Healing everywhere. Healing everywhere. Healing everywhere. Now the Lord ministered to us about this not many weeks ago. About you laying hands on people. Not being bashful. Not being timid. Do you remember that? Were you here? Now you don't want to be pushy. You don't want to be ugly and rude. No, no, no. God's not pushing anything off on anybody. If somebody said, no, no, talk to me about that. Leave me alone. Then what do you do? You leave them alone. You pray for them. 
They can't get away from your love and your prayer, but quit trying to push it off on them. But you're always ready. Not pushy, but you're always ready. You say, would you like me to pray for you? They go, no. You go, okay. But that don't stop you from a week from now necessarily. If you can tell if it's not bugging them, something else comes up and they go, man, you know, boy, my stomach is killing me today. And you say, uh, I'd be glad to pray for that. Nice. Unashamed. Ready. This is what kingdom people do. I'm telling you, you never had so much fun. Unbelievers and people who don't know much about God, God requires very little of them. If they just open the door just a little bit, he'll do a miracle. He will. And all you got to do is just lay your hand and say, be healed in Jesus' name. And expect it to happen. And remember what we do? What do you do next? Back up. And you go. There you go, Lord. That's what they were doing. Preaching and healing. Preaching and healing. Preaching and healing. Now skip down to verse 59 in this same chapter. Luke 9, 59. Well, 57. It came to pass as they went that a certain man said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I've heard that before. And Jesus said to him, people, you know, it sounds good until you find out what it takes. Until you find out that you're going to have to stay up late. You're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to work. You are actually going to have to work and spend money. And Jesus said to them, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I think basically he's talking about wait until he dies. And then we're going to bury him. Then I'll come. Now let's just stop right there. What's our text say? Luke 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then family cannot be first. Uh, I just might as well say it. A lot of teachers and preachers and pastors have preached wrong about this. They have preached to put your family ahead of ministry. And ahead of other things. Put your family first. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What if Moses had put his family first? Hmm? then he'd have never left Zipporah. He'd have never left Egypt. He'd have never left where they were on the backside of the desert at that point, I should say. Right? He would have never led the people out of bondage. What if Jesus had put his family first? Hmm? Remember his mom and his folks standing outside the door thinking, you know, boy, he's gone too far now. Come out here, talk to us. He didn't even go out. Right? If your family is first, God's not first. Oh, boy. Matthew 6.33. Did it say, seek first your family? And then God right after that. Somebody said, well, my kids come first. Then God does not. Hmm? Well, my husband and my wife, my kid, I got to take care of my kids first. Then God is not first. Simple. There's only one first place. Only one. One. What comes first? Seek ye 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to you. That's what this man is saying. I got to take care of my family. Uh, let me wait till after my dad goes home and after all these things and I get, you know, I see the devil, if you listen to him, it's always something. Well, as soon as I get my house paid for and as soon as I get some stuff, then I'm going to get on a service team and really get busy for God. You know, as soon as I get my kids through school and as soon as I get them out of college, then I'm going to start putting money into the kingdom. As soon, as soon, there will always be another as soon if you live that way. You know, Phyllis was sharing about that. I know the individual she's talking about, a man in the church who serves in the church on a team. She was sharing the testimony earlier. He didn't have a lot of money, and he was in jeopardy of losing his place. And he made some money. He's a hard worker. And he had his choice. Do I tithe? Or do I put this on that? He tithed. Glory to God. The people say, I can't afford to. You think he could afford to? It ain't about afford. It's a faith issue. And what happened? How long was it? It was just the next day or two. Money came in. Glory, extra money come in from different places. And it was done. Well, that's being kingdom minded. But it's putting God first. And you'll have that decision come up in your life every day. Every day, every week, every day, God first or something else. God first or my job or me or my family, my kids, my husband, my wife. There's always something else trying to get that first place. But you got to make up your mind. No, I said out loud. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what I seek first. Listen to what Jesus told him. He said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Verse 60, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead. (laughs) That seems a little hard, doesn't it? But Jesus is not mean. Let the dead take care of the dead. There's a lot of dead stuff. And stuff that's just of death and in death. And going to death is what we began talking about. A hundred years from now, it's not going to matter. It's going to be ashes and death. Let people who are dead deal with the dead stuff. There's plenty of folk. That's all they're going to do. Let them deal with the dead stuff. You and I are alive unto God. We're in the kingdom of the living God. What do you say? Keep reading What did he say? Let the dead bury their dead. But you go and do what? Preach the kingdom of God. What do you preach? Not preach yourself. Preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but. Boy, you always see that but in there, don't you? But let me what? Are you seeing a recurring theme here? Let me do something else first. Yeah, I'll help y'all. I'll be glad to help y'all out. But first, I've got, uh, you've already failed a test. You've already violated the first principle of success and prosperity. First, he said, first, 
Let me go home. And I want to tell everybody bye. Because you know I'm leaving a lot. (laughs) You ever heard somebody say. Man I left a lot to serve God. Boy I left a good job. In the city. (laughs) Working for the man. Yeah. I left uh, security, left a good house, left a family. Now that is looking back longingly, feeling like a person of great self-sacrifice. Read what Jesus says about this. Jesus said to him, what? No man having put his hand to the plow and doing what? Looking back is what? Is fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit to be doing what you're doing if you're thinking and talking like that all the time. Because you don't realize what an honor it is to be in the kingdom and to be serving him. You know, we worked at Ramah. I was instructor there. And sometimes people would say they're going to quit, you know. Boy, you know, at orientation, God told them to be there. Oh, God moved special ways. Got us here. But, you know, three months later, no, we're going to leave. Well, they had to have an exit interview with one of us instructors. And the reasons for people leaving. One guy's saying, I just ain't been eating very good. What do you mean? Well, at home, Mama always cooked me a steak every Tuesday. Big old juicy T-bone. And I've been here for three months and ain't had a steak. Does this sound like any other passage of Scripture? Like maybe the Israelites out in the wilderness. Huh? Looking back to Egypt. We had watermelons. Oh, big. Juicy, sweet watermelons and onions. And, mm, mm. It angered God. They are acting unfit to be called. Because they're looking back. One guy said, well, Phyllis, I think you interviewed them. They had been fussed at because they'd been parking in the instructor parking spots. They're different colors. We went through it. What is it? The yellow is for the instructors. Which one is? Yellow's for me and blue's for you. I forget which one it was. Anyway, unless you're colorblind, it's real easy to see. But she, they had get there real late and they'd have to walk through the gravel parking lot and it tore up her expensive shoes. And so they got in trouble for parking in the instructor. So they're going to quit. What do you say to people like that? Hate to see you go. Hope you don't miss your plane, though. Why? They are not kingdom material. They're not fit for the kingdom. If you're not willing to sacrifice even that much, then you're not fit for the kingdom. 
Always talking about what you gave up, what you turned loose of, what you could have had, what you could, what could you have had without God? What could you be without God? A big old fat zero, a big old failure. You know what you gave up to follow God? Death and destruction. That's what you gave up. No! Put your hand to the plow. Put the other hand to the plow. Don't look back. (laughs) We're going on, brother. All the way. (laughs) Stand on your feet. (laughs) This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.